the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. And we're back. So, lovely stuff going on in the markets these days. Look at the S&P 500 up and down 3 or 4% from peak to trough uh, in just a matter of a few days. That's always interesting. The uh, Not in uh, the best kind of way, and a lot of people are a little upset, wondering if, if this is the big one. A lot of really negative news, and I have to tell you... Um, if you've been in the stock market for any length of time, you'll you'll have a tendency to notice that the news turns really, really negative right before the market takes off. And you'll also notice that the news is really, really good oftentimes right before the market drops. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't act like it's supposed to, which is very troubling for people who are nearing retirement and thinking about locking in. The amount of money that they have, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a couple suggestions here. Uh, the first suggestion is if you're going to lock something in with interest rates as low as they are, don't do it with a whole lot of your money, maybe five years worth of withdrawals. We'll talk about that a little bit later on today's show and at the seminar that we have coming up. Uh, seminar is uh, coming quickly, September 12th. It's a Thursday evening. And we're going to be talking about trade disputes and how they may affect your investments. The, a lot of the volatility recently was, uh, I'm not sure if it was actually do that because there are so many thousands of funds out there that could move the market that it's hard to, it's hard to know what they're thinking, but those are the headlines. I know people are upset, you know, investors are upset. Oh, they're going to tariff. They're going to put tariffs on this. They're going to put tariffs on that. And China's response was to adjust their currency. Um, but I'm here to tell you, things actually look very good. And outside of that, that's they're really not talking about a large amount of money. In uh, I mean, the, the currency thing is a big thing. Um, and that is uh, something that's not fair. The Chinese have been doing that for you know, decades. The Japanese were doing it before them. Mexico does it. <laughs> Canada's been doing it over time. Uh, there's a, uh, they're just more brazen about what they do. And we'll take a look at that. I'm going to explain what happens when currencies shift. Uh, I can't do it on the radio. It's too hard. And I don't want people trying to write anything down while they're driving. So the uh, bottom line is I'm going to show you what happens when the currency shifts and what that might mean 
for companies, American companies and Chinese companies and companies around the world, actually. We're not the only two countries that are affected by this. Uh, European Union is, is affected by it. The uh, um, Almost anybody that has their own currency is going to be affected by it. So anyway, is it something really uh, that you need to worry about? Mm, you got to put it in the right perspective. I don't think it's a, a big event. And we'll talk about why that is, what kinds of things that you might do, incidentally, the things that you should be doing are uh, reviewing your strategies to see which ones may need a little bit of adjusting. And most of the time, I'm going to tell you the answer is no, but we're going to talk about when you need to make an adjustment. You know, How do you adjust your portfolios as you get older? As you're getting older, you know the likelihood that you're going to end up uh, having ailments, because that's what happens when you get older, you, you know, things start breaking down on you, start going to the doctor more often. Uh, those are very expensive. So you're going to have to have growth in your portfolio because the interest rates aren't going to uh, keep it up, but you don't want to have too much because if you've got in stocks, basically, when I say growth, I'm talking about stocks. So I'll just clarify that really quickly. So you've got to have some money in stocks, the types of stocks that you have, uh, the types of funds that you hold, that's going to make a big difference in the level of, of fluctuation your account experiences. You're going to want to try to keep that to uh, those types of funds that, that are going to recover more quickly from a decline. And we can talk about the factors that those stocks might have. Factors are things like sales, profits, dividends, all kinds of you know size. They like to use beta and alpha. Forget those; those are useless as far as I'm concerned. I can, as, as far as I'm concerned, I can talk, <laughs> and I will show you uh, why at the workshop. So, the workshop is actually titled "Trade Disputes and How That May Affect Your Investments." But the reality is, um, there's always going to be some sort of a trade dispute with some country somewhere. And this China is one of our biggest trade partners, maybe the largest on a lot of different measures. Uh, we buy a lot more from them than they buy from us, and uh, they need us, incidentally. The, uh, if the United States cut off all the stuff that we purchase from China, wow, that would be pretty wild. It'd be almost impossible to do, but, you know, anyway, we'll take a look. We can even take a look at that. I'll spend a couple minutes talking about it. And feel free to call. If you can't make a seminar, don't feel like you have to come to a seminar to set up an appointment to, to discuss your situation. You know, investing is tough. It is really tough. If it wasn't so tough, you know, there, there would be no vocation. Uh, it wouldn't be an occupation. And most of it is, is actually psychological. Once you've gotten all the knowledge down, it's not knowing what to do. It's doing what you know you should do. You know, that, that's the really hard part. Um, as it's tough. You know, you see the market flying around like it's been flying around. And uh, somebody says, hey, you know, it's been two years since we've rebalanced the portfolio. And I think maybe we should take advantage of these uh, lower prices and, and even that out. You know, let's let's rebalance. Let's take some money and, and add to these holdings uh, when they're down. Because adding to them when they're up is not a really good idea. Do you know that that's actually the number one most common mistake that investors have a tendency to make is adding too much when stocks have gone up a lot. That's actually the number one mistake. They get excited and get enthusiastic and they buy too much when stocks are down. The number two mistake, and these are neck and neck, by the way, is selling after the market's gone down a lot. You know, that's just the opposite of what you'd really like to do. Uh, but I see it all the time. Market goes down 20%. You know, you get people bailing. 
And, you know, if your favorite retailer or even Amazon had a 20% off sale, hey, I'm going to give you a coupon. Anything you buy today is 20% off. People would be elated. They would be order. They'd be breaking all kinds of records. So, but uh, when stocks go on sale, people are like, whoa, you know, they want to try to take, you know, run for cover. Not the best idea. And uh, again, if you have a situation like that, and, and by the way, everybody's different. Um, everybody's different. Their risk tolerance is different. The ability to hang in there is different. Uh, whether you're taking the right amount of risk or not, really, it's kind of simple. I've got a couple of videos we're working on. They're very short. This is the, uh, actually one of them is done already. I just have to get it posted. So it's about how to tell how much of your money you should have invested in stocks. And this is something that I'll go through examples at the workshop. Um, you come into the office. I'm going to ask you these questions. It's a good thing to prepare ahead of time if you want to meet up and talk about your situation. And this goes for clients, too. If you're a client of mine, you're listening and uh, you're worried, give me a call. That's what I'm here for. That's what we do. And uh, so here's the uh, methodology I like to use to determine how much you should of your money you should have invested in stocks. And when I say stocks, I'm talking about diversified stock portfolios, well-defined and diversified. What's well-defined and diversified? Um, there are stocks that invest in medium sized companies that pay, pay dividends who earn an average rate of return on the money that's been invested in that company. Those are good statistics to use in your model. Those can be significant over time. If you give it enough time, I think you'll be happy with the results. And so that's what I'm talking about. Uh, and if you've got those types of funds, if they're that clearly defined, that helps you when you when you're worried about it you can go back and pull up the long-term history of that strategy and look at it and you'll see the the times in the past where it's gone down and then it's come back and that'll give you some ease uh ease of mind which is incredibly important when it comes to investing because I'm here to tell you it's uh, uh these the education that you need you don't have to have a four-year degree at, you don't have to have a degree at all to be a good investor you need to learn the basics and uh, it could be a lot, but you know, it's not like learning how to fly a jet plane. I can tell you that <laughs> it's a lot simpler. And uh, if you've got those basics down really well, then you need to go through that, play through the the um, scenarios in your mind. If you can't put them in your mind, you, that's what you call me for. We have a scenario uh, machine. It's actually software that'll show you your portfolio and how it would behave during a market correction. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's we we do that for all of our clients and I do that when I'm building models that I'm uh, using for myself and for my clients. I put the the stocks together and then I test it. I've got a machine that shows you I, I like to call it the Wayback machine uh just because it's it's kind of funny. The, uh, we put it in the Wayback Machine and say, okay, now what would happen if we were doing this in 2008 and 2009? Could I put up with that? If I can't put up with it, if I think, oh, no, I, you know, I, I, would be, I would be losing sleep if I saw my portfolio do that. Great. Now we know that we need to take a little bit out of there and put some more of the money in the safer stuff. And uh, you keep doing that and until you come to the, uh, actually the risk that you want to take 
And that's basically how I've, how I built this over time. What I've done is I've watched that happen and I've made some simpler rules for doing that. They're simpler for me. Uh, and I think they're actually simpler, simpler for just about everybody. So, and here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Write your portfolio, your, your savings down, write down how much you have in savings that you're going to use in retirement to supplement your income. Now start subtracting percentages from that. So take 10% off. How do you feel? Take 20% off. How do you feel? By the way, uh, last seminar, I, I apologize so much. I forgot to bring the calculators. I have free calculators that I'm going to bring to the seminar so they can have, they're, they're small. I've got my logo on them, <laughs> but, uh, I'm not expecting you to do this stuff in your head. I'm going to give you the calculator so that you can do this at the seminar. So again, write, write your savings down and then subtart, start subtracting percentages from it. When you get to the point where you say, okay, all right, I, I've got $500,000. Um, I'm down 30%. That's 150, it's down to $350,000. I, I think I'm getting to the point where I'm losing sleep. Okay, that's your number. Three fifty. dollars uh, That's basically a 30% decline from five hundred. dollars And I'm going to tell you a couple things. First of all, if you're going to be invested for the next 20 or 30 years, you should probably be willing to be down about 30% or so. If you don't, you won't make much money. That's the bottom line. If you don't, you won't make make much money. The good news is the market has never gone down by that amount and stayed down. <laughs> That's never happened. Not to say that it couldn't, you know, but it's highly unlikely. I mean, uh, the Browns may go undefeated this year. They had a good game yesterday. If you project project that out over the whole season, which I know better than to do, then um might happen. So, but the bottom line is you've got a a tolerance, a fluctuation tolerance. That's what I like to call it. You have to know what that is. You just have to know what that is. What's your tolerance? Mine's 40%. Why? Because I still got at least another 15 years left, I feel like, that I can work minimally. And uh, I'm going to try to, I think the only area I'll probably ever be able to compete with Warren Buffett in uh, is I'm sure I can run faster than he can, so I can beat him in that. (laughs) But he's 87 years old. <laughs> but I think the other area might be, uh, I'm going to try to work as long as he has. You know, the guy's 87 years old. He still shows up every day. And every day. That's uh, that's amazing. But uh, I just lost my whole train of thought there. Sorry about that. And see, uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about a lot of things and, and talking a lot. Uh, and I've got about 60 seconds before I have to take a commercial break. So, by the way, if you'd like to learn more about me, just go to my website. It's bu- Bill, I'm sorry, it's BullingtonCapital.com, or you can email me at Bill at BullingtonCapital.com. And I'd, I'd pay attention to the website going forward. We're actually making some changes to it, and I think they're going to be really good. I think you'll like it. We come back, we'll review the uh, What's Your Number, which I, again, I've got a video going up online. That'll probably be going up on my YouTube channel sometime this week. That's what I decided to do with that is start a YouTube channel. We can embed it on the website. I'm not sure I really want to do that yet, but uh, there will be links back to my website on that. Uh, and I think this stuff is really important. I know it is. This is something you should start thinking about like 10, 15 years before you, at, or at least um, before you retire. I heard the music and I froze. <laughs> You're listening to Bill Bullington. Stay tuned. Ain't up to nothing. 
Nice music. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> You're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. If you'd like to learn more about me, go to my website, Bullington Capital. You can sign up for that seminar we got coming up. I think it's a good time. Uh, and I got to tell you, I'm really excited about the future of the country. I'm really excited about the future of the world. Technology is growing so fast and it's making our lives so much easier. I just can't believe the technology that I use on a daily basis. It's uh, it's awesome. It's not slowing down. It's actually speeding up. One of the things I like, you know, I, I actually started reading Popular Science and uh, MIT Technology Review again. I had given that up for a number of years because I was so uh, I would get upset. <laughs> That I would be reading about this stuff. They've got solutions to every major problem in the world's got at least four or five viable solutions. Every problem. Cleaning up the environment. Problems are there to be solved. I mean, they've already been solved. Uh, changing the weather. Problems solved. The problem is you can't get any of this stuff passed. I mean, it, the governments haven't been acting on it. Worldwide, we haven't been acting on it. And that's kind of human nature, by the way. So I get it. You know, they wait until it's an absolute emergency and then they do it. Um, but uh, it'd be nice if uh, we could move in that direction without the, you know, a world threat. <laughs> but and we are starting to that. That's what really is uh, encourages me. I see that they're moving in the right directions. Things are getting done. It's a uh, really clean uh, the clean energy industry is very green. And I don't mean it's making things greener. That it is. It's it's actually very profitable. So that's when things are really going to start to get done. And we've got some major, we, we're going to have major problems we've got to work through. We're working through them. We've, we've got solutions. They're starting to be employed. That's one of the reasons that the uh, employment rate is so low. You know, the unemployment rate's been below 5%. I don't even know how long. When I was in college, you know, way back way back, you know, when we use candles, I'm just kidding. The, uh, uh, we, we were taught that the unemployment rate of 5% was impossible to go down below. And it was also unbelievable to think that it ever may be maintained for any length of time. We've been below 5% for a very long time. (laughs) So it just goes to show, uh, it is different today. I mean, it's a lot different. I was just reading about how many careers kids might have and, Getting side hustles, that's basically a job you do on the side. Uh, and you know what? That's not unusual. It's unusual for a country that was so heavily dependent on 
industrialization and manufacturing. That was unusual. See, I grew up in, in at least partially in Tennessee, and I was very young there when we were there. And I saw that they didn't have a lot of factories. You know, people did a lot of things. You'd drive down the street, the farmers would sell part of their crops out on a, you know, a stand in the front of their yard. They uh, had bees and did honey. Uh, they did anything they could, actually. So they've been kind of used to this. That That's to, to those people that, that grew up around those types of environments. This It's nothing new. It's new in the cities. And it's new from the standpoint that you've got to get a computer and get some computer skills for a lot of these side job hustles. Not all of them, but uh, a lot of them. There's a lot of opportunity there. And that's what I really like. I see opportunity. I'd be, I'd probably be as depressed as all the people that are reporting the news. <laughs> Look at the news sometimes. It's unbelievable. All the, the unbelievably bad news. And that's all they publish. I think about eight out of 10 articles. And there's so many good things going on. I mean, they're really good things. I, I can't believe I'm sitting here in a, in a radio station looking at a, a laptop that's hooked up wirelessly. And I can see that two out of three stocks that are investable, that means a, a mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund is allowed to invest in them, two out of three of them are in a short-term upward trend. Now think about that. And all you're hearing is bad news. And two out of three are in a short-term upward trend. Now that doesn't mean it's going to stay in a short-term upward trend. It just means that's where we are right now which is good. That's a very good thing. Normally, August is not that good of a month for the stock market. September is not that good. Uh, people remember October. Some people do. They think that's the worst, worst month. Many people do because there were two big crashes that occurred in the month of October. But actually, October is generally pretty good. November is pretty good and December is really good. January is pretty good. Uh, it slows down. There, I, there's an old saying, sell in May, go away, come back in November. That, that, that works until it doesn't, by the way. Um, so I wouldn't plan on using that to manage your assets. It's just to build expectations and see, this is where I think people tend to struggle is they have expectations that don't get met. In fact, I know it's where they struggle because I, I talk to them all the time and they build up expectations based on something they heard or something they read or, or, you know, the media and those expectations at some point in time get the better of them. And, you know, media is very negative. Uh, you know, bad news sells. You know, people stop and look you know, or they stop and read. Uh, I'm going to tell you for your financial health, you want, probably want to skim those articles as, as quickly as you can and try to look for the real data. Look at housing starts. Look at new car sales. Look at jobs. Look at average wages. Those are real things. And right now, those are in an extremely positive trend. Look at GDP. GDP has been over 3% now. Um, I can't even remember how long it's been. It's been a while. And there was a 10-year a, a time period where it was below 3%. That's, uh, that is not a good growth rate. Okay. So we've been, it's, the, the economy's doing much better now. Stock prices. There's only a, a small pocket where the valuations are ahead of where they should be, and they're not by much. In fact, the way the economy is growing, we'll grow into that in the next, you know, six to nine months. So, and then it's, you know, now, unless something major happens, you're going to have a market that's 
fairly valued and growing. That's awesome. I mean, I would like it if it were undervalued and growing, but in order to get undervalued, stock prices have to go down and people don't like that. <laughs> Unless you're like me and you're reinvesting and you're investing every month. The uh, I get it. If you're at retirement age, you don't want to see that. Uh, but you need to plan for that because the market's not going to stop fluctuating and not, the market's not going to retire because you do. It's still going to do its thing. It's going to go up and it's going to go down. In the long run, prices tend to go higher. There's a, a lot of reasons for that. But when I'm looking around now, you know, just uh, circling back to something I've been talking about a, a little bit ago, the MIT and uh, Popular Science, a uh, bunch of other magazines, technology magazines, they're talking about technologies that are being rolled out as I'm speaking. They're rolling these technologies out today. These technologies are going to take at least 10 years to get fully implemented. And by that time that happens, all the equipment that this technology is going to enable is going to need to be replaced probably twice along the way, every, about every five years or so. And it, it's a great path. We're on a very good course. I like it. Does it mean you should not pay attention? No, nope. you still got to pay attention. You still got to make adjustments from time to time. You don't want to get too complacent, but you don't want to get too worried either. There's a trick to that. You know what the trick is? It's called knowledge. It's called looking at your portfolio. If you're one of my clients and you're, and you're talking to me, or you're hearing this rather, and you're saying, hey, I haven't done that in a while. Give me a call. I'm calling everybody. I'm trying to get a hold of everybody, by the way. I'm going through my list. And uh, it's alphabetical, by the way. So if, if you're in disease, you, I probably won't get to you until December. <laughs> so give me a call if you want to talk earlier than that, because a lot of the people from the uh, uh, you know, the, the top half, they're, they're not returning my calls. It is summertime. I understand that. But yeah. anyway, I'm trying to reach out and, and get a hold of everybody. This is very important. This is a very important time in our country. It's a very important time for financial markets, and it's important that you, you participate to the level that you should be. When I say that, when I say the level you should be, I'm talking again about what we talked about a little earlier, how much can you, how much fluctuation can you tolerate? And uh, so let me give you a little, uh, let, let's actually go through a couple of those examples. Let, let's say, I said, Bill, you know, I would really have a tough time sleeping if I were down more than 25%. Okay. Uh, I understand. So 25% is half of 50%. 50 percent is what the S&P 500 was down twice. It was down tw in the last 20 years. So it was down that much twice. Could it happen again? Yes. Could it be more than that? Yeah. If it is, I'm, I'm going to mortgage my house and put the money in the market. But the uh, uh, is it likely? Probably not. That's really not that likely right now. No signs are pointing to that right now. So it would be completely uh, catching everybody by surprise if that were to happen now despite what you're hearing the news isn't nearly as bad as it would seem particularly for financial markets now politically you know socially that's a different story i'm talking about financial markets it, it's actually very the news is very good you should feel good about it and if you are worried about it you go back to that question how much of a decline can you tolerate so if I'm only 
able to tolerate a 25% decline, then don't put more than 50% of your money into diversified stocks, stock portfolios. I'm talking about funds, okay? Or an active, you know, a managed fund, a managed stock portfolio that's got more than 20 stocks in it. So you, uh, you look at that and say, all right, I'm going to put 50% of my money in stocks. The other 50%, I'm going to try to leave in something relatively safe. Why? Because if we get a 50% drop, I don't want that going down with my stocks. So if we get a 50% drop in stocks and I've only got 50% of my money, I'm only down 25%. Voila, you're done. <laughs> That's your asset allocation in a, in a nutshell. Do fit the 50%, then you go in and look at, you want to hit all the, the categories, the types of stocks that you're going to invest in are going to depend on your age okay, and how much income you're taking out and quite frankly, just how much money you have. Some people don't have to take much risk at all. They've got so much money saved up that they could get by on 1% fine. And I wish I were in that group because it is about the, the top, actually it's about the top one half of 1% that could get by on 1%. I mean, think about it. If you're getting 1% on a million dollars, that's only $10,000 and that's taxable. <laughs> so it takes a lot of money to be able to live off of 1%. This is a, this is the most, um, it's the most important area of financial planning. It's the most important subject financially in the country. And it's how are people going to retire? One out of five households has a hundred thousand dollars to invest. One out of five. If you're in that group, congratulations. You know, you're one out of five. That means four out of five don't. And if you just, if you take a look at what I was just saying a little bit earlier in the show, 100,000 bucks, you know, if you're taking out four or 5% a year, that's not a whole lot of money. It's not a whole lot of money to live on. And uh, there's a, a psychological disconnect that comes through when I'm talking to an awful lot of people that I recognize. And it's that they're fixated on the $100,000. That's a lot of money. I have $100,000. Yeah, but if you spend the $100,000, it's gone. If you spend $100,000, it's zero. <laughs> and uh, if you want the money to last for 30 years, you, you better be sticking somewhere between 4 and 5%. And you're going to have to have a diversified for, portfolio because at 1%, it's not going to make it. So I, uh, I got to take a real quick commercial break in a few seconds here. But again, if you'd like to sign up for that seminar, just go to my website. It's bullingtoncapital.com. And uh, we're going to talk about this situation. Uh, it's the area I like to specialize in. Uh, I like to call it financial fee- freedom planning. Most people call it retirement planning. But it's that day that you can stop working and not have to worry about uh, the kind of type of income. Incidentally, it's not. there aren't very many people that can do that. Very few people ever are able to stop working and live their lives the way they have before they started working without cutting back at least a little bit. And actually, it's the top 5%. So now that I hear the music, we'll talk about why that is when I'm coming back from these commercial messages. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. Figure out 
We're back. You're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon, 1420. You know, you can catch this show as a podcast on 955thefish.com. Also go to my website if you want to learn a little bit more about us. We will be posting some videos up very shortly. I think I, I have a YouTube channel that we're going to be doing some of this stuff because it's educational. It's very important that uh, people hear this. I wish somebody had been able to, to explain this stuff to me before, you know, I think I was in my early 30s before somebody had ever talked about this. It's not taught in college, um, at least not that I know of. Maybe it is on the uh, current curriculums under the financial planning programs if your college has one. And uh, But, you know, wasn't taught when I was there. So it's very practical stuff and it's stuff that's very necessary. Like how much how much money do I need to retire? Well, it depends on what kind of lifestyle you want. Uh, a, a simple rule of thumb that the College for Financial Planning promotes is a 4% rule. Plan on taking 4% out. And people go, 4%? That's not a whole lot. You know, the stock market average is 10. Uh, the stock market drops 50% every now and then. <laughs> so if you were taking out 10% a year and it dropped 50%, mm, you'd be spending so much that your money would never recover. You'd actually end up running out of money in retirement. So the 4% rule is kind of designed to try to withstand some big drops. And uh, I think it's a, a pretty good idea. And anywhere between 4 to 5%, I think, is, is okay. Um, but again, even that, you couldn't, you couldn't guarantee. That should work about 95% of the time, sticking to a 4% withdrawal rate. That's two standard deviations, by the way, for you mathematicians out there. Or it's actually not exactly because I know I know I'm going to get a bunch of calls. No, it's actually, but I understand. <laughs> it's just that the odds are against you running out of money if you've got a diversified portfolio, even a 50-50 blend, 50% invested in diversified stocks, 50% fixed income, you know, short-term bonds, short-term bond funds, funds that invest in treasuries. They're not paying very much. It's not, they're not there for the return. They're there to keep your risk down. It's there to control risk. It's going to hurt your returns. There's no doubt about it. You know, back, oh, I don't know, 10, yeah, even 10 years ago. No, not 10 years ago. I take it back. About 15 years ago. Wow, I'm getting really old. <laughs> 15 years ago, you could get a CD that was paying 5 or 6%. You know, if you could get a 5 or 6% CD now, that big sucking sound you're hearing all over the country every time you step outside would be the money going out of the stock market and into CDs. People would die for that today. I am not sure that those days will ever be back. I'm not sure. Why do I say that? Because you've got a debt that's above $20 trillion. More than half of it is interest bearing and the government is responsible for, for paying the interest on that debt. Now, if you owed trillions of dollars, and we're allowed to set your own interest rate. What would you charge yourself? <laughs> yeah, that's my point. It's probably not going to be a lot. So I think we're probably stuck with some relatively low interest rates. At least we're not negative. You know, some European countries, they literally charge you to hold on to your money for you. They charge you to hold on to your money. The only benefit you get out of that is you're not paying any taxes. But inflation's still there. So your money's becoming worth less, not... Uh, never mind the fact that they're actually charging you to hang on to your money. You have inflation in some of those countries. It's not real high, thank goodness. But that is a, that's incredible. I would have never have believed that, incidentally, when I was going to Kent State and 
taking economics classes there. I would never have believed that that was ever going to be true. Interest rates back when I were in, when I was in school, they were like 12, 13, 14%. That's how old I am. I think they, they peaked out, money markets peaked out around 18%. That's a money market account, 18%. Can you believe that? I doubt that we'll ever see that again. I, and, you know, I could be wrong. I hope I'm not wrong <laughs> because if I'm not wrong, it means, you know, inflation rate got to 18% because inflation was more like 13. Inflation prices were going up. They were nearly doubling every four to five years or five to six years. Prices doubling on everything in five to six years. That is a problem. That's actually a bigger problem than low returns uh, on your guaranteed investments. That's a much bigger problem. People don't realize it, but it is. And I don't think that's happening. It's not happening now. Again, getting back to the, the more positive side, it, it, this is not the end of the world that you can't get a 5 or 6% CD. I think the returns on stocks probably in, somewhere in that ballpark, maybe even a little bit higher. And so if you've got a, a good chunk of your money invested in something that's got an average annual return of more than you know 5 or 6%, I think you'll probably make it. I think you'll probably do a very good job. Now, if you've got 30 or 40% of your money in bonds, I want to talk about this for a second. And I am going to, this is going to, I'm going to make a video on this on Monday. This has happened so many times. People will look at their account and their account's a balanced account, stocks, bonds, and cash. And then they compare it to the stock market. And normally they compare it to the stock market after the stock market's gone up. Well, the stock market's going to beat your bonds when it goes up. That's, that's a bad thing to do. What you're doing is psychologically, you're setting yourself up for conflict. You're setting yourself up to feel badly because you're looking, you're comparing apples and oranges. You're comparing uh, a Yugo with a Maserati. <laughs> you know what? I shouldn't say Yugo anymore. I'm, that's really aging me. Most people don't know what a Yugo is. <laughs> so just think of a really small, maybe one of those uh, smart cars, you know, that, that don't look very smart to me. They, you know, it looks like it might get crushed if something falls on it. Um, that I'm only bother finishing that, that thought, but one of the really small cars to a, a very big luxurious car, a car that you really like a lot. Okay. It's a big difference. That's, that's just basically my point. And, uh, anyway, I just constantly losing my train of thought here. Don't, don't get old people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, the, the, one of the things that people do, two biggest mistakes, they pull out of the markets when they shouldn't. Why do they do that? Because they don't understand that the market's really volatile. No matter what they've been told, no matter what they've seen, they haven't been uh, paying attention. And that's okay. You know, that's why I have a job. It's remind people, remind people, faith. First of all, we're probably not going to keep up with the stock market when it goes up because we're holding bonds. You can't keep up with something that goes up 20 or 30% inside of four or five months when you're holding a 2% bond or a 3% bond. It's just, it's impossible. So don't make yourself feel bad by comparing your portfolio to the S&P 500. That, that's a mistake. You're making a mistake. By the way, I can hear every financial advisor in the country going, yeah, right now <laughs> because it's happened to all of us. Everybody comes in and says, well, the S&P went up this much and you only, you only went up this much. Well, you, you've got bonds, you know, 40% of your portfolio. <laughs> you'll, never, uh, you'll never keep up with the market when you have bonds in your portfolio. 
it's just even when bonds were paying a lot. Well, actually, there was one small time period, uh, but those days aren't coming back. You had double-digit inflation back then. And maybe they will. You know, Maybe one day we'll get back up to where we have double-digit inflation. You'll get an interest rate that's really, really high, somewhere in the mid-teens. So the problem with that is after you've paid the taxes on all that interest that you're making, you're still behind the eight ball. (laughs) Yeah, I I have to admit, though, it would be nicer. I mean, it would be nicer to be able to say, all right, you know, maybe I'm just keeping up with inflation. So I'm just going to reinvest everything. I'll take out four or five percent a year. That's going to give me at least 20 to 25 years. And if you're 80 years old, because life expectancy is getting longer, then that's fine. Did I hear the... uh, I heard, I'm hearing things, (laughs) but all this stuff that we've been talking about today, I guess, uh, what I'd really like to kind of sum up the show with is, yeah, there's market volatility. There are some things that you can do about it. We're going to talk about those at the upcoming seminar. We're also going to be talking about the, uh, look out for the bull. I know I've been talking about that for, you know, probably going on two years now, maybe even longer than that. We've, it's been out before, but I've been talking about this rendition for the last two years, it is so close to being done. We're going to talk about that. That should help you too. That's another great educational tool as far as I'm concerned. Uh, of course, I am the one that is writing it, <laughs> so I should think it's pretty good. But you can come and decide for yourself. I think there are a lot of things that are, are pretty practical that will let you see beyond the headlines. They'll let you see beyond the headlines. If you're looking at the headlines today, you're, uh, you know, you're feeling bad. I looked at them on my way into the radio station. But when I look down at the number of stocks that are investable, and in other words, they're above $300 million, and that's actually pretty small. So I'm being gracious there. I'm being kind. They're roughly around three, a little over 3,000 stocks that are above $300 million in market value. 2,200 of them, almost 2,300 of them, are in a short-term uptrend. Think about that. 2,200 out of 3,000. I haven't seen numbers like that in, I don't know, maybe a couple of years where there have been that many stocks in a short-term uptrend. What's really exciting to this about for me is that the news is negative and stocks are ignoring it. They're shaking it off. That's a good thing. That's a good I would not be surprised to see the S&P popping back up above 3,000 over the next month or two, maybe over the next couple of weeks. So, and if you want to see how I'm seeing that, you know, come to the seminar. I'll talk about it. I'll show you the, uh, uh, that indicator that I put together myself. And it's just based on stuff that I've read, older stuff that's been around for a long, long time, which is fine. I just put my own spin on it. I basically look at all the stocks that are investable. The stocks that are investable. These are stocks that a mutual fund is allowed to own. And I look at which ones are in a short-term uptrend, and I compare that to the number of stocks in a short-term downtrend. It, it gives you some insight as to what the current conditions of the market are. It doesn't actually, uh, nothing actually forecasts with a high degree of accuracy, but it is kind of helpful knowing what's going on right now. And I think that's, that's a, one of the things that, uh, I don't know, I think um, the philosophies, you know, Christianity, the... Uh, um, Eastern philosophies, they all talk about that, you know, staying present, staying in, staying in the moment, controlling what you can control, um, controlling your, well, and actually not controlling your thoughts, but actually observing things the way that they are. Most of the time, they're not nearly as bad as you think they are. 
Oftentimes they're, I would say probably nine out of 10 times if you're me, <laughs> more, more like 19 out of 20. The, uh, yeah, I, I suffered from it too. That's why I came up with these techniques to help me deal with this. You know, everybody has to deal with this. I mean, everybody has to deal with it. If you've got money, uh, and it's in the market, you're dealing with it. So learning how to deal with it, taking, making it easier on your mind. That's a big deal. I think that's a really big deal. You can do that, and you do that through knowledge. That, that's how it's acquired. That's how peace of mind is acquired. Peace of mind is acquired through knowledge. When you've got the knowledge, and you're going to get the peace of mind. They just go together. It's kind of uh, it's amazing how that works. And when you won't even bother reading a lot of the headlines anymore. And when I want to look at something, I know right where to go to look at the most important things. And again, you know, we'll talk about that at every seminar going forward, because this is a big deal. I was reading where the government's starting to think about passing some rules that are going to restrict the way people can invest their retirement savings because they don't know what I'm teaching. And when they don't know what I'm teaching, they have a tendency to panic. And I would too. I, when I was my first five years in the business, I was no better than the average person because I had just gotten licensed. I didn't have any experience. And I thought that the average investor who was a lot older than I was knew more than I did. That was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> and uh, I didn't learn that until many years later when I studied really hard and, and to see how things really worked. And I was like, oh, well, that's it. Actually, psychologically, it's pretty tough. But I can tell you, it's not, not nearly as tough as trying to live on um, you know, 30 or 40% of the income you had when you were working. That's tough. That's really tough. Not necessary. Anyway, if you've heard anything you, hear, you, you want more information on, please feel free to go to my website. It's bullingtoncapital.com. You can just uh, send us a comment, send us a request. You can sign up for the seminar there. I look forward to seeing a lot of you guys at the seminar. These are always a lot of fun, by the way. It's a uh, Thursday evenings at Tri-C's Corporate College. Uh, it's where they filmed that Browns movie in a time. Actually, right across the hall is where they set up the set. The, uh, it's a super nice facility and uh, got plenty of room there. And they do a great job with uh, all the uh, refreshments and uh brownies cookies the uh um they've got smoothies they make with uh vitamix smoothies yeah so anyway feel free to go to the website check us out feel free to give me a call if you have any questions if you're a client i need to see you <laughs> i'm going through i'm trying to see everybody by the way i've uh i've tried to see everybody one of my clients over the next five or six months so if you're listening to this and you haven't gotten the call yet do me a favor give me a call i need to get you on the schedule so I think I'm just about out of time here. Now, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420, also available as a podcast on thefish.com. Have a good week, good investing, and good luck. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of 
of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.